be aware that something strange and something miraculous can happen to you very, very soon. And when it does, you'll know that it's not me doing these tricks because it will be so real and so divine and so miraculous that you'll know that it came from that great unknown. You know, it's not, it's not the thing that I'm doing now. It's the thing that will happen to you if you just simply be aware and know that it's happening very, very soon. Welcome to Mysterious World with Pablo Amira and Stuart Palm. Join us as we connect across time and space, exploring the mysteries of our world and your world. Hello, truth seekers, followers of mysteries, UFOs, cryptozoological strangeness, and anything that makes you wonder. This is Stuart Palm, and welcome back to another episode of Mysterious World. Or welcome to Mysterious World, if this is your first episode. Um, It's Halloween time. This is an exciting time. It's October. We should have some fun uh, this month posting some interesting stories. Today, we have a special treat. We have an interview with Elaine New, who is uh, the man who knows. TM, trademarked. The man who knows. Uh, Elaine New is a mentalist out of the D.C. area of the United States. I met him years ago in New York after he performed a show. I had the pleasure of hanging out with him, and I've got to know him more recently uh, much better. I've helped him with some design projects and am currently working on helping him put together his new book called State of Mind, which hopefully will be out at the end of this month. Elaine had a TV show um, a number of years ago called uh, The Mysterious World of Elaine New, uh, <laughs> surprisingly, on uh, TLC, uh, which you can still find. I think um, you can find that on YouTube and probably other places on the World Wide Web. Um, but uh, I had a really wonderful time chatting with Elaine, or rather listening to Elaine chat. Uh, the interview, he had so much to say that I didn't want to jump in and interrupt too much. He really um, went off on all kinds of topics um, having to do with the performance of mentalism and magic and uh, the definitions of these things and how they exist in our real world and um, the difference between deception and uh, wonder and mystery. And I'm really happy to be able to share it to you, to, to you. Yes, not to you, but with you. Or both. Could be both. It is October 14th. It's uh, five, around 530 uh, right now. And um, the mystery of Halloween is starting to build around us. That's a wonderful time of year. It's always been my favorite holiday. Here in Hong Kong, it is also a big thing. Um, the expat areas of, ha- of Hong Kong and Halloween, I'm creating new tongue twisters for myself, is uh, especially 
bombarded with partiers during the Halloween weekend. Uh, they actually close off the streets to allow people to drunkenly wander about in costume. And I love all of the history around it, everything. I've done uh, seances here on Halloween and uh, been involved in all kinds of fun projects. Before I get into this interview with Elaine New, I would like to give a little shout out here to Hakan Eriksson, who created the music that I use in the intro, which I'm quite happy with. Um, Hakan, I found through a thing called Audio Jungle. Audio Jungle is a website you can go to and download uh, theme music or special music for anything, really. And they are connected with a thing for clip art and video clips and, you know, photo download and all kinds of uh, stock things. And I was searching for a very long time to find the right song for the intro to this show, and I found his work. And it's pretty consistently good, uh, or great, I might say. And there's a whole section of his work that um, has the same kind of feel and sound that I used, so much so that I, I contacted him personally and hired him to make some music for my own show, uh, which it was, is what you're hearing underneath this uh, segment right now. Um, very talented guy, very easy to work with and uh, reasonable. And uh, so if you want to just listen to his stuff or if you need your own music created for one reason or another, you can go to HakanErickson.com and check out his stuff. That's H-A-K-A-N-E-R-I-K-S-S-O-N.com. And uh, this is not a paid advertisement. In fact, I paid him to make music. I just think it's good stuff. And um, if you also are in the search for such things, I highly recommend working with Hakan. Hakan, actually, I'm not even sure. There's a, there's a umlaut or a strange uh, symbol over the A when, when he first contacted me. So it's, I don't know if it's Hekan or Hoka, I don't know how that works. Um, but uh, good guy. So without further ado, here is my interview with Elaine New. now become such a big part of my show that I would feel like it, you know, like, like I, it was missing something without it now, you know? So, so it's interesting how that suddenly happened because I would have never expected, I would have, I would have expected to have hated that title for the rest of my life. And, <laughs> and, and, and now I feel like, uh, now I feel like, you know, it's part of my, it's part of my shtick now, you know, I get up on stage and, I introduce myself, you know, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Alan New. I'm a man who knows, and I know right about now, many of you there in your seats are probably asking yourselves, so just what is it that this man who knows, knows? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and it becomes compelling just to introduce myself in that way, and, 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 it, and it's funny because it, I always introduce myself in that way, and it always kind of moves into a different subject matter each time because I'm, you know, I'm going to be talking about this or that, and you know, last night I broke out the pendulum after I introduced myself that way, and <laughs> like to introduce you to my pendulum, Horace. Yeah, so, and uh, 
what what do people find inside of state of mind well you do find out that you can talk to your pendulum for one right <laughs> we were on that subject so there's a, there's a chapter can, on using a pendulum there is a there is a a, a fun little uh, section on using the pen, pendulum and how you can engage it in with your subconscious as most people would but how it can also start to answer questions that that uh that you are unsure of the actual answers in terms of where it's coming from you know so like for instance the 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 uh oldest oracle use of a pendulum would be to define or, or to decide whether or not the child a woman is in her first trimester uh the sex of the child would be in, in, inside of a woman who's in her first trimester of pregnancy. So, so that's interesting just because you, you know, a pendulum shouldn't know, for instance, the subconscious necess shouldn't necessarily know the actual sex of the child. Seems, it seems like a rational disconnect there. Yeah. And so the idea that a pendulum can actually do that is well, for one, questionable, but for two, quite uh, accurate when I've ever used it and, and, and quite accurate when other people who've used it in this way have used it in I've done way. the same and, thing and always had, it's always been correct. Um, but and but here's my, my belief on it. It's a little bit different. My belief on it is, um, to, to put it into uh, rational terms, if the, if the woman knows... Um, then the pendulum will know. But she doesn't have to know consciously. Right. If she's far enough along that the the fetus has the sex, I think it's possible that her body knows what that is. Yeah, but something within Not her on body. a conscious level, there's no way. But on an unconscious level, I think that her body knows what it is. And um, if if that's not true, then what you are getting is what she really wants it to be <laughs> which is a whole nother interesting thing to know right right exactly because nobody wants yeah. to say they want to be one thing well some people might but most people want to stay neutral well, on that the issue the technique that i teach in the book actually actually shows how if you how how if the pendulum moves in one way then it determines the boy and if it moves in the other way it determines the girl and right. the technique is to not actually tell the woman what is what so the woman never knows from the moment the pendulum starts swinging you know what what the sex of the child is other than the fact that she's focusing on asking it what the sex of the child is and so it so its response, by the way she swings the pendulum, is purely your interpretation of of what of what it's saying, and has nothing to do with her subconscious at all. Wow. Other than the fact that, other than the fact that she's holding the pendulum, and so, so I think that I mean again, it's a game. So we don't know whether or not this is something that eventually will fail, or how many times it will fail, and how many times it will hit, until we get like a much larger. Uh, a much larger collection of data, but uh, but as of right now, I'm about five for five on the <laughs> pendulum guessing the child, guessing the the, the, the sex of the child, and um, and and that is 
in that same way, basically not telling her what to do with the pendulum, not to tell her that, you know, if it's a circle, it's a girl, if it's a straight line, it's a boy, and you get to choose. So, so I'm not leaving her with that decision. I'm just simply telling her to hold the pendulum in the center of her hand and see what it does. And then as soon as it starts swinging, it's either going to swing. And that's the interesting, deeper than that, that is the interesting thing about the pendulum is that, is that though it will go, you know, forward and backwards and left and right or counterclockwise or clockwise, it will always swing either in a line or a circle and yep. there's and, or an oval. But you, there's really no in between, you know, it's either going to be circular movement or a line. Right. And, uh, and so to me, that's interesting just because those are two very, very specific ways that the thing will move. And if, any of that, crazy as it may sound, connects to consciousness or a conscious field or, or reality in a way that we don't fully understand. And that's interesting to me. I think that the, and, and that's something that's worth examining on some level just because, just because it's one of those things that so few people take note of that, uh, that you know, if, it'd be interesting to just call attention to it and and figure out whether or not there's something deeper to that than we can than we believe as of right now. I mean, right now I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of reason why most people in society live completely in rational in, in a rational way, but I think that what's beautiful about being an artist or what's beautiful about about being creative is simply that you get to explore the irrational. You get to explore things that don't make full sense. And you get to see what happens, what the results are when you go in that particular direction. Suddenly it becomes interesting. Suddenly it becomes, you know, it, 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 there's a rub that takes place. So Yeah, I believe we grow a lot more from exploring the unknown than we ever can exploring the sets of circumstances and things we know already. Um, it's interesting to me if you if you were to present anyone in the world, any human being, a drawing of a line at a circle and ask them which is male and which is female, I think the findings would be pretty consistent. And I think that goes back to sort of a universal symbology of, of humanity. We, we do have things that we share in an unconscious level that have been programmed and with our ancestors. We, we just have things that we know. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's uh, I feel that you know it's it's still questionable exactly how we know what we know, whether right. or not it's fully learned from our life and what what we've experienced, or whether part of it comes in from you know the DNA of our ancestry, or part of it might come in through just a conscious field of, of what we're around that we're not aware of that comes in, you know. From it, from from you know quantum entanglement and stuff that uh, that that we haven't fully explored, and that is uh and right now I, I feel that uh, I feel that one of the most interesting things about being a performer is that uh, is is that we get to choose you know what where we're going to go with regards to what our message is or what our underlying statement is as an artist or as a performer. And, and I feel that, um, and I feel that 
right now, what's interesting is that when you look at the state of the mystery arts and magic and mentalism and stuff like that, there is a there's sort of an overall consensus to to make the statement that you know that that it's creating this illusion and that there's and that it's all pretend and that it's all about deception and that it's all about these 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 things that in my opinion are kind of negative words and also in my opinion kind of changes the word magic in many ways when you think about the word magic at the very beginning of time you know or the beginning of the invention of the word magic you know it's yeah. latin roots it, it meant something that was all powerful it meant something that was that was of divine grace it meant something of godly limitless boundless power and and now you look at the word and the perception, especially in Western society, is that it's all about deception. It's all about illusion. It's all about entertainment. It's all about just being for kids, you know, something that mature people don't pay attention to and that mature people know doesn't really exist. And to me, I feel that that just takes, wipes out an entire aspect of the, of the word itself. You know, I feel like, yeah, obviously, I mean, we can focus on just these things that fool us and that deceive us and that make us realize how interesting it is that we can be fooled and that our minds can be fooled. But is that, does that encompass the entire definition of what we're talking about? And if we are to call ourselves, you know, mystery artists or magicians even, you know, I mean, it, does that are we truly magicians if we are only exploring this one tiny little realm of this of this very very large word and can we and is there a way of being able to explore it as performers as artists in a way that actually touches upon every aspect of that word not just that one aspect of deception that one aspect of ledger domain you know i feel that that's that's something that is that is in many ways overly thought about perhaps over the last 100 200 years you know i feel that, that i feel that there's, right. a, there's a lot about what's going on and you know and when you look at when you explore the mystery arts there is this section of magicians who have kind of started to dominate um the entire the, that entire art form but there are hypnotists and there are fortune tellers and there are ghost hunters and there are odd people that 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 still work within those realms and you know mediums and stuff like that who you can call charlatan on and who you can and who you can say you know aren't really doing anything that's real but i would say that a lot of those people are actually exploring something that's much deeper than most magicians which is its own completely separate discipline within the mystery arts can categorize as, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel that magicians wouldn't be able to fully appreciate these other disciplines without immersing themselves in those disciplines themselves. So, I mean, you know, you can call bullshit on fortune telling, but fortune telling is based on an arcane history that goes way, 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 way back. Back to when magic existed, back when magic actually did encompass all of these things. E that every single magician that I have talked to who has taken a gig at some point to play a fortune teller, and these, these are the kinds of magicians I'm talking uh, th that are the kinds that are ruining magic, the kinds that um, want to take the magic out of magic, 
Uh, but but at some point, many of them have taken a gig to play a fortune teller. And if you ask someone, uh, every one of them I've asked, how did it go? They will say, oh, well, I did these Barnum statements and I used these um, prefab scripts that apply to anybody. But, you know, at some points I really was getting these hits. And I know it's a coincidence, but it was amazing. And to me, I, it's like, well, you then you missed the whole. Th I mean, <laughs> you're showing proof for for what you don't believe in. I mean, that's every one of them has set, has had that story of like, and then this happened. And you know, every mentalist that's performed on stage has had things in their show uh, that would go way beyond anything they ever planned, because it happens all the time. And the more you do it, the more it happens. <laughs> Last night for me was one of those moments also, actually, it's too complicated to talk about, but it right. was one of those moments in which I made a complete skeptic, a total skeptic in the audience, probably one of the most skeptical people in the audience, completely reverse his entire idea just based on this one completely random thing that happened that was too perfect on multiple levels for right. it to have ever... So you're like, so there you go. <laughs> There it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's where it and happens. It, we've we've allowed for it. We've created a framework in which it can take place, and it did. Right, and, exactly. And, and, and those are beautiful in, moments. And, and what's funny is that, like, to me, my exploration as a performer really is about trying to hit those. I mean, I, I, I'm not uh, – I'm interested in – I'm interested in Me too. being successful. I'm interested in being in, in, in giving people entertainment value. I'm interested in keeping it going and keeping it lively and not talking too much. And I tell you, I, I get, I get now that I work for a nightclub, it's like I, I basically get these little talks by the owner of the nightclub who basically tells me, you know, what I need to be doing and, and, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, I've, you know, obviously, you just got to be humble when it comes to all that. You know, he's like, he's like, somebody came up to me the other day and said that, uh, said something like, uh, you, you, that there's too much talking in your show. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, what, you want me to put some music? You want me to play a guitar? <laughs> so, uh, uh, if I understand correctly, this is a man whose background is in clowning. Yes. 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 In yeah, fact. So I get that. He, <laughs> I can I can see the notes of a clown towards a, a mind-reading act to be. We need more silent moments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the beautiful thing about it was that he told me this right as I was about to introduce Horace to my audience last night. So I so I I was able to do that, and it was a complete. I have to say, Horace was a true success last night. It was it was a beautiful moment where I I, just I can really relate to the success of Horace because. When it's, I use a it's pendulum, it's a great running gag. It's a great running gag. It's a great like yeah. I, I can bring out for us any time now, and it becomes like another person I can talk to. <laughs> totally. When I use a pendulum, I use one that's carved like a little owl, and so people talk to it. Whenever I hand it to them, they have a little conversation with it automatically. If you put a face on it, people just immediately start talking to it. It's amazing. That's cool. And it and it, cool. and it takes on a spirit like what you're talking about where it's answering questions and it has its own consciousness. I think it's interesting to, it's one of the goals in my show actually personally is, is to bring people's unconscious thought process 
and give it a character and let it be part of the show. Uh, and when it works and it happens, which is getting more and more often, the more I do it, uh, it's it's uh, amazing for everyone. It's, it's a exciting moment. I, uh, I, I looked up a couple of things that you'll find interesting. Um, there's a, a thing online called the Online Etymological Dictionary. And uh, it gives you sort of the origins of words and phrases and things. Uh, and magic, mm. which I'd ne- I never looked it up on here, never looked up magic. But from the late 14th century, magic is the art of influencing events and producing marvels using hidden natural forces. So in that, we can get the um, sleight of hand definition. The, yeah. But we can also get other definitions and other versions of magic it opens it up to um magic with a k as it has become the the place that i think that this started this sort of divide um between magic and mystical forces in the world and magic being a deception I think goes back to a misunderstanding of Robert Houdin's quote about the magician being an actor. actor. Because most people only know that part of the quote. But I found the whole quote. And here it is. A conjurer is not a juggler. He is an actor playing the part of a magician. An artist whose fingers fingers have more need to move with deafness than with speed. I may even add that sleight of hand is involved. The quieter the movement of the performer, the more readily will the spectators be deceived. So he is talking about deception, but he's saying they're not jugglers. That's the point. Right. The point's not that they're actors. They still have to be magicians. I think something get, got kind of destroyed when that happened. Yeah, I, I think so too, because cause there are a lot of magicians who are actors who who think of themselves as magicians because they're actors and it's kind of like yeah you kind of also have to be a magician in order to be a magician (laughs) yeah exactly well yeah apparently uh there's a whole world of people who don't understand that when when i first uh was living in new york and performing different forms of magic as a bartender and I, I didn't know the magic world. I didn't know the magic community. I'd met certain people here and there who were actually very magical people and not like a lot of what the magic world is. I started to meet people in New York that were part of the magic world, and I was always stunned because these people were some of the most conservative, dry. They looked like uh, they were accountants, and some most of them kind of were accountants. And right. and they just seem to not belong to the world of art, or um, nor do they seem nearly as magical as those people who were non magicians that you met in New yeah. York, just at random moments as a bartender, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's totally. how I felt too. I was just like, you know, I'm, 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 I, I grew up in magic, so I mean, I feel that I understood that magicians were generally going to be people like optometrists and lawyers and and uh and and and, you know random businessmen and stuff like that uh who would practice sleight of hand and whatnot but uh but as i grew older and i you know became interested in just uh 
hanging out with artistic and creative people, I was finding that there were a lot of people that I was hanging out with that were far more magical than a lot of the magicians that I was hanging out with. And a lot of times, you know, really amazing things would take place that felt miraculous around these people. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, and it wasn't happening as much around, you know, me hanging out with magicians. And so, so I definitely felt that there was, I, I, I've always felt that there was something that, uh, might be controlled that, that seems inexplicable, you know, throughout my entire life. I feel that there's always been something that can, like I, I, I call it circumstance. I sort of feel like circumstance can be manipulated in weird ways. Um, and though I can't prove it in any way, I mean, I do, I do use my own understanding of how I manipulate, how I, how I uh, create intention within myself and how I, how, what I choose to do and how I choose to use my own, you know, just guide my life in a way to, uh, to, to make the right things and to make the, the right uh, things manifest. And, um, and I feel like it always works for me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm never, you know, I'm, there's a lot of things in my life that don't necessarily work out as well, but, uh, but I'd say that there's, I'd say that by and large, the most important things to me, have always worked in my favor and have always, you know, and, and I, I feel like I do understand something about how it all kind of gets thrown together so that I can, so that I can achieve that. And what's interesting, I did this interview with Uri Geller, who was one of my greatest inspirations when I was a kid. And part nice. of the reason why I bend metal and stuff. And, and, uh, and Uri is an interesting guy for me to it for me to in, interview simply because um simply because I've been a big fan of his for so long and you know got a chance to you know see you know his entire life life from my own perception of it and and my own perception of it was very similar to like the average person's perception of it because he's never played the part of a magician teaching other magicians how to do magic you know, he's always played the part of the real enigmatic character, and and that's something that I've always been interested in. You know, the how does he become that? You know, how did he become that? And um, uh, you know, what caused that to take place? And what is interesting about the interview, in my opinion, is that it just kind of makes you realize just how successful he actually was. And is throughout his entire life, and you know, sure. continues to be extremely successful doing what he does. He continues to brand himself in this very unusual way. Um, his what's interesting that I find is that his interests are not exactly like my interests. Like I don't necessarily. I mean, though I though I've always respected and appreciated and admired him. I'd say that uh, I'd say that his focus and stuff is is very basic compared to mine. I mean, I'd say that mine is very complex in the sense that I really want to learn about every weird claim that has ever come up. You know, I'm interested in mediums. I'm interested in, in strange stuff. Uri, he believes in UFOs. 
He believes he can make things manifest for himself and things manifest for him. And so there's... But isn't it sometimes easier to just make it that simple? Yeah, you know, well, I'd say that that is what... uh, What's interesting about him is that is is that you know it, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, he's he's sure. you know he's a very very successful guy. He's even in his seventies, or you know, he's not seventy yet, but uh, but but he's he's about to turn seventy, and yeah. and so even at his age, and he right looks now, fifty. He looks great yeah. for one. He de- definitely looks better than most of us, and for and and for a guy who's been put under the pressures that he's been put under, uh, I'd say that uh, I'd say that he's come out on top. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely highly successful. He is uh, highly uh, admired by the people that he surrounds himself and with. He's still uh, positively influencing people who constantly who follow positive- him. And and that's and that's his mission is is to give them <clears throat> self empowerment and positivity. And there are a lot of people who 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 will say that uh, you know he's a scam artist and they call him a charlatan and they and they're and 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 you know there's there's just a lot of very very highly skeptical people who are more than willing to just like reach out and debunk him to the best of their ability and 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 in the most inflammatory. Uh, uh, ways that uh, I can't even I, I'm, I know. I'm just surprised I'm surprised at the hate is what I'm surprised at and so and it's uh, and so it's what I find what I'd like to say in response to that hate is that Uri does just the opposite for the people around him and even people who he's just met if he finds out that there's like a sick member of their family he reaches out to them immediately and he continues to reach out to them and there's nobody who is more who who is more loving in that way of just of 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 always wanting to reach out and make a connection he's sure. in touch with you know, thousands of people on a regular basis and manages to, to, to always... He brushes have... off the negativity thrown at him like no one I've he's ever seen. A, it's amazing. He's got some kind of a strange reminder system or something because he basically takes care of just, just on a very... On, on, a, on, on just a very personal, you know, sending you good vibrations, you know. He takes care of a lot of people in that way and, and, and a lot of people are touched by how he's able to do that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of how he's able to pull that off and maintain his uh, role in this world doing what he does because it is very unusual and it is unlike how a lot of people live and, 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 and you know, it causes lots of controversy, but at the same time, I see nothing problematic with it. I feel like you, everything that he does is something that, you know, I would aspire to. I, you know, I feel like, you know, I aspire to his level of, 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 of how he can give people inspiration through doing amazing things and through constantly giving people a positive experience. You know, I think that that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And, and I think that a lot of performers could probably learn something from that. Yeah. Definitely. That's a good pause we're having. There was recently a, a posting on Yuri Geller's Facebook um, where he posted a 
somebody had put this note on a sculpture he did in, in the town he lives in, in in England. And the sculpture is like an abstract sculpture of spoons or something. And the note said, um, because the, the, the garden that the sculpture is in is known for having lots of bags of plastic bags of dog poo around that are just left from people picking up after their, you know, picking up after their dogs, but then not throwing away the, the dog crap bags. And, um, somebody had put a note on it that said another pile of crap on such and such park, you know, just a very negative note stuck on the sculpture. And then they'd also stuck a bag of dog crap on hanging from it or something. And his response was, uh, to whoever left that note, um, I, I love when you put something out in the world and then it, it, you know, grows and has a life of its own. And so I hope they leave the note up because it's funny because it talks about the piles of crap that are all over the park and it brings those into light. I just wish you hadn't left a pile of crap on it because, you know, that's dangerous. It's bad for the environment. It's plastic. It's crap. You know, it can hurt animals who might try to eat it. You know, it goes through a bunch of reasons why not to put the crap and why people should he used it as a forum to remind people to pick up their dog poo basically that's what he used it <laughs> right. which I was like that's brilliant and he and he urged them he urged the park to leave the note like that's fine you call it a piece of crap that's fine i don't care so that's wonderful use of negativity turned around to create a positive goal because what was the goal of the person who left the note just to doubt, diss him right. why, why be that I don't understand it either. Right. So I, I love that this is the this is where we're, we've gone because all the things you're talking about are basically the reason that I'm doing the podcast. Um, because there's a lot of people in our community who put things out in the public, and they, I, I, I started to notice that what they would put out into the public was generally things for other workers in their community, very community-centered things, and things about being performers or things about deceiving people or things about uh, how to trick people and fool people like there's the fool us show right now and when you put mm -hmm. that out the more you more people are putting out that kind of consciousness uh, the less magic I think there is but I'm more interested in the mystery I'm more interested in the real magic that that's where I want to explore and I think that's, I love that that's what your book's about. I love that that's, while you do give people in the book some ways to um, entertain their friends, but the book's point seems to be, you know, explore your own potential. Yeah, well, it's, I, I felt like I needed to wrap the entire idea around performance and about, uh, and about, uh, mystery making in terms of the Robert Houdin definition of magic or the early, you know, definition that you mentioned uh, before uh, a moment ago. But, uh, and I feel that, I feel that uh, the idea behind creating this illusion of something happening that's impossible that isn't actually happening is an interesting thing to just wonder about. You know, you have to 
like one of the things that I mentioned in my book is is that if I was an alien, you know, coming to this planet for the first time and discovering the remains of an of a past civilization of, of humanity and and found out through analyzing this that that several years of <laughs> of uh, of the entire history of man was dedicated toward towards this idea of creating this illusion of something that might that they might have been able to do that uh, that wasn't the real manifestation of that thing happening. You know, how do you perceive that? I mean, how do you look at something like like the fact that we have this entire art form of of creating fake ways of being able to read people's minds or or doing that sort of thing like what what does you know what does that bring us to and, and obviously the definition that you said earlier which was to use um, hidden applied scientific methods or hidden applied methods to create this illusion is is again it's interesting that we use that you know and, and to me I feel that that the idea of illusion and deception should not be uh, uh, overseen by those people who look at who, who, who look at magic, because I feel like in many ways it's a part of it. It's it's become, or it's not even become a part of it. I feel like it's always been a part of it. I feel that uh, the idea that we can experience something that isn't actually the thing that's happening. And we make an association by it. So I mean, you know, maybe that's how, maybe that's where art came from. Maybe you know, maybe there was a cave, maybe those cave paintings of, of uh, you know, uh, of, of of bisons or whatever being the cave paintings of the hunt, you know, and and yeah. and having these bisons and stuff. Maybe maybe that had to do with. You know, after fire was invented or something, some guys noticed that there was a shadow on the cave that looked a lot like a bison, and decided that he might fill that in, and and it and because it looked like this other thing, and it's so it looked so much like this other thing that hey, why not just recognize it for that thing? And then and 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 so I feel that it's it's interesting. I mean, to to take what we do or what we perceive as a deception and relate it to art because in many ways art is a strange deception in and of itself realism in art is basically the deception of of, of something looking so real that you almost believe that it's real um and uh and and you know uh trump loyal is basically uh the art form of making something so real that it literally does deceive the eye into believing that that you are seeing something that it actually is not, and um, and and so I feel that those. I feel like that understanding within our consciousness is something that is worth examining, just because I feel that on one hand it. There's a novelty aspect of it, and I'd say that that's the part that most of us agree on. Most of us kind of say, isn't that interesting, and isn't that novel, and isn't it entertaining how novel it is, you know? And we can yeah. look at it from, from, from the entertainment standpoint, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further and, and ask just the philosophical question, is there anything deeper than just being entertaining this idea is 
that we can create something that's so real that you would perceive it as potentially being real. And I've taken this to this idea to the idea to 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 shaman ceremonies in which you go to tribal shaman communities and you might see one of their ceremonies involve something that to you might seem like an obvious deception. So, I mean, you know, it might be something like uh, he's regurgitating bats from his mouth or something like that. And it's just kind of, it's like a dove act, but with bats being regurgitated. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you, and it makes you wonder, like, so are they buying that? I mean, do they think that bats are coming out of his mouth? I mean, is he really like, uh, it, 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 and it'll probably make a lot of TV watchers go, you know, pshaw, these primitive people doing these things that are so vulgar. And, uh, and yet, at the same time, my feeling behind it is, is, okay, so, you know, you can look at it that way, but there might be another way of being able to look at it. I mean, you, you might say something like, um, it might just be a reminder that inexplicable and weird things can happen in reality, and this is a demonstration that essentially is a, is, is a almost like a it's done almost like as a reminder. I don't think that those people who are shaman, for instance, believe that they have powers over their people. I think that shaman believe that they are in connection with divine powers that have powers over themselves and the people. Yeah. And that's different from believing that they have powers that the people do and not have. Every shaman um, and person who you could call a shaman, because often they would not call themselves that, that I've come in contact with, um, have th they have no goal of fleecing or deceiving their people. That's they would never do that. That's not what it's right. about now, for them. And I think that, and, and so therefore, when it comes to these deceptions and tricks that are performed during the ceremony, I think that they're done in a ceremonious way, in yeah. a way that, uh, in a way that again is, is is novel and entertaining, but but in my opinion, it's also a distinct reminder to those people that strange and miraculous things happen in reality. And what you're experiencing right now is a representation of those strange and miraculous things that happen in reality. Right. And what we want you to do, what I want you or what the gods want you to do right now is be aware that something strange and something miraculous can happen to you very, very soon. And when it does, you'll know that it's not me doing these tricks because it will be so real and so divine and so miraculous that you'll know that it came from that great unknown. You know, it's not, it's not the thing that I'm doing now. It's the thing that will happen to you if you just simply be aware and know that it's happening very, very soon. I think that that's a very powerful statement. I think I that agree. that's something that's um, I think that that's something that is, that's more in line with what I think that they're doing than, than what 
a rational skeptic debunker would believe that they're doing. And, and I also think that in the world we live in now, where we spend often more time in a virtual space created by language and pictures, that it's important for people to experience what you're talking about, to remind them about life. Yeah, exactly. Outside of computer screens and you know, the internet. Yeah. And how and and how magical it is that we even get to use this stuff, and and and, and how and how amazing it is that uh, that we even have this stuff at our access, and that we can and, and and how much more we can use ourselves to to uh, you know how how much more we can use our mind and our thoughts and stuff like that to to pull us for, to pull us forward in 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 evolution and sure. to make things make greater things happen. And how and, and, and how, you know, there is a push and pull and and uh, constant movement of circumstance and positivity and negativity and stuff like that. And and perhaps if we focused a little bit more on those things that are positive, perhaps if we focused on less things that were negative or despondent or feelings of entrapment and, and uh hopelessness i feel that uh if we have if we have hope if we have sure. if we have a if we have a positive outlook and if we use our inspiration to to create positivity I just wanted to jump in for a second and talk about some of the uh, recent news that's going about. Uh, there is an article that's being covered by a lot of different sources um, all over the United States about a school principal who is being convicted of performing hypnosis without a license, which is a rare conviction because it doesn't exist uh, in most places. But Florida is the only state, I believe, that has a licensing process for uh, performing hypnosis and he was a trained hypnotist he uh, trained at the Omni Center with over a hundred hours of practice and and um, it sounds like he's pretty good at it but what happened was three children at his school three students died uh, in different ways uh, two of them I think hung themselves and one of them veered off a road and smashed into a tree and they're blaming these uh, actions on the fact that they were hypnotized, which seems to me a bit like a witch hunt. Um, I read the article, and uh, the most plausible 
one that you could attribute to some form of of uh, of the hypnosis being involved is that the guy who smashed into a tree was a uh, football player and he was um, the principal was hypnotizing him to deal with pain while playing football and uh, had taught him a system of self-hypnosis um, to deal with pain and he was coming back from a dental appointment and uh, with his girlfriend and the girlfriend said he had a weird look on his face and then he smashed into the tree now um, maybe he was maybe he was performing self-hypnosis maybe he had just been at a dentist where they give you things to numb you to uh, they give you chemicals and these chemicals would distract your ability to, to drive now, why are they not looking at that? I don't know. Why blame the hypnosis? Um, all these kinds of things, um, you know, it's possible, I guess. I don't think that children would kill themselves because they were hypnotized. That just seems ridiculous to me. Um, and I do think that it's probably not the best judgment on the uh, part of the principal to be hypnotizing his uh, students. But I don't like the idea that we're going to go and blame things directly on the hypnosis. We have to look into the lives of the children and what, what the, um, you know, th think more about why they would kill themselves and, and uh, how about looking into um, depression and troubles of their own lives. It, it just seems like uh, scapegoating to me. And I'm curious, um, for others that have heard this article or read this article or seen this around, what uh, your thoughts are. So um, you can jump on the Facebook group, uh, Mysterious World, or, or send us a message at the website, www.mysteriousworldpodcast.com, and let us know your thoughts on that, which brings us to the Mystery of the Week. Mystery of the Week. The mystery of the week this week is uh, has to do with the um, age of the Earth. They have recently um, found that the Earth is approximately 1.5 billion years old, which I'm sure is going to oh frustrate the creationists out there who want to say that the uh, the Earth is as old as the Bible tells us. Which, uh, I, well, let's give science some credit, guys. Um, so they were uh, examining what is known as the igneous core and uh, found that there's an increase in the magnetic field in the inner core um, as, uh, as it begins to freeze, the uh, magnetic field uh, increases, is uh, the understanding, um, from molten to, to hard. I guess that's when the magnetic field uh, increases. I don't quite understand um, how the magnetic field of the Earth works or what that has to do with the life of the planet. Um, because what they did in this article is they compared um, Earth to Mars, saying that the magnetic field of Mars uh, died after one billion years, and that's why the planet doesn't support life. And I'm not sure how, um, why magnetic fields uh, have to do with life. So that's something to look into. That in itself is a mystery. But what they do believe is that the magnetic field of Earth has a billion more years to go. So, we are uh, in a midlife uh, of the Earth. A little, a little bit over the hill. The Earth is a little bit over the hill. But 
we got a billion more years to go, so that's nice to know. If you understand uh, why magnetic fields have something to do with the life of the planet, uh, let us know at MysteriousWorldPodcast.com. And now back to our interview with Elaine New. You're a worker. That's what we were. Yeah. So yeah. Essentially, I'm. I am a worker who just wants people to to enjoy the show and who and to to love the show and uh, you, you know it's funny. I would say that. Uh, I mean, for me, because I mean because I it's really about my connection with the people and and what I'm interested in and how I want to engage people with what I'm interested in. Um, It's really, for me, uh, less about what I want them to, to go home with and more about how I'm going to engage them with the stuff that I'm planning on engaging them with, mainly because my show changes. It's not like a, it's not a show that, um, it's not a show that I mean. I obviously there are similar things in my show that make it always roughly the same show, but there are certain things in the show that does change and and morph. And uh, I'm always working on it. I'm always tinkering with my own show. Sure. So um, so for me, it's really more about uh, each one of the separate pieces and how I'm going to engage them and how I'm going to make that part of the overall composition of what I'm what I'm presenting to them. And, um, and, but to answer your question, I'd say that, uh, you know, what I want them to go home with is that, uh, is that magic is a, is, is just like what we've been talking about, which is that magic can be seen in so many different ways. And most people who come to see my show are really coming to see my show because, you know, like for instance, last night this one woman said that she's never seen a magic, a live magic show before. You know, but it's interesting that she calls it a magic show, right? Because in many ways, my show is not a magic show when it's when it's put side by side with somebody who's a magician that does perform a magic. I show. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and I, so, I have that problem and too. And so, so it's so to me. I feel that, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting that people, you know, well, I think it's interesting that my show is perceived as a magic show. And so what I've had to do by, by um, you know, that perception is embrace the fact that what my show is essentially is a magic show. Although what I can say about it that is, uh, that, that is slightly different is that it's a, it's my perception of what a magic show should be. It's uh, it's not necessarily what um, what anybody else's idea of a magic show would be, other than my own. And so, so what they're getting is my interpretation of how magic or or you know the uh, amazement should look. You know how how do we uh, how do we engage ourselves to amaze ourselves? How do we how do we uh, how do we do this in a way that that 
makes people realize that this isn't just us fooling ourselves. This right. is us literally engaging in a mysterious world. If the definition of a magic show is fooling people with tricks, then it's not a magic show. But if the definition of a magic show is to bring people to a place where things that they did not think are supposed to happen start to happen, to understand that there's more possible than they generally understand, then sure, it could be that. Yeah, exactly. And and I and so I feel that the I feel that that's what my show does, and I feel that that's what my show is. And in the end, you know, it also feels a little bit like a magic show in the sense that people experience amazement and people experience surprise, and they are <laughs> they end up being surprised at how amazed they are. And right. so, so it's a so it it is a it, it's a it's a it's a it's my own interpretation. And part of the reason why I love working at uh, my little theater illusions so much is the fact that uh, is, is the fact that it is it's a sh- it's a room in which I get to share it with the posters of a lot of dead people <laughs> who've performed mysterious shows in the past. But uh, fortunately, I don't have to share that space with anybody who's a live performer. So so my interpretation of what I'm doing never gets altered more than than them. Ex- seeing these old posters, seeing that, you know, and, and the posters are really, you know, engaging in its own way just because they see these weird things happening and these different weird guys doing weird things. And, and Illusions is, is in Federal Hill, Baltimore, is that right? Uh, yeah, ba- downtown Baltimore City in this little district called Federal Hill. Federal Hill is an amazingly cool little area. It's just, uh, it's, it's very well populated with, Lots of people that just like to party and yeah and 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 go bar hopping and uh, it's a young crowd, a lot of Hopkins students, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, it's it's also in the in, in a financial district, so uh, there's a lot of you know Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo and people like that coming in and and it's just a, it's I have to say it's just a fun fun room and you know and people come in from all parts of Baltimore and all parts of last night I had people I had this one guy come in from Connecticut I had a crew of people coming in from Cleveland so it's like a, it's 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 a it's become a place in Baltimore where if people look up you know things to do in Baltimore it's one of the hot things that people nice. can do and um and it holds itself up uh, you know i'd say that spencer does a really good job there as an escape artist and uh and the other cool thing about it is that on the stage on the right is houdini doing the water torture cell in, in, in his own poster and then on the left is alexander the man who knows which is uh which is awesome because That's you know funny. in many ways in many ways you know the two people that represent that theater the most at this point seem to be spencer who, who basically does a Houdini act and myself who essentially does a, a man who knows act in fact trademark so <laughs> hey you know what I found out just recently I just want to I, I just want to uh, make a toast to the fact that uh, the man who knows if you google the man who knows you will find me at the top ranking of that list now oh that's fantastic I have, I have surpassed Alexander which is uh Congratulations. Which I didn't, th- which I didn't think was possible, frankly. But I'm, 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 uh, I am, I am pleased to announce that I am now, I am now the top ranking of the man who knows. 
That's great. So you uh, you have fully come to embrace what you once weren't sure you wanted to even be call yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I have to say that was a, that was a that was a tough pill to swallow. As um, whenever you were talking about, I realized, I realized that, like you know, when by calling yourself the man who knows, you're certainly not calling yourself the man who knows everything. Right. Uh, so it still it still has a there's there's still a a, a, a dot 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 aspect. It, it's a statement aspect. of mystery. Yeah. Um, but while you were talking, I was thinking of a few different things. Um, I just didn't want to lose them. Um, the first is that the the Lascaux cave uh, paintings, the the paintings of bison and and um, stuff from long, long, long ago. Interestingly, found around those images are markings from where they would throw spears at the animals. So there are lots of theories as to what was going on, but I believe that there is a ritual going on there. And um, the ritual is one that builds up their inner ability to be more effective at killing the animals. Because they would then go out and hunt the things. And so in a way, you could see it as practice. But I think it's more than just practice. I think they were actually using those paintings to as magic to psych themselves up and, and believe in their ability and create the ability to be more effective hunters. So there is practice a, is ritual. Huh? I mean, in the end, practice is ritual. And, exactly. Practice is always ritual. ritual. That's true. And ritual is practice. And, and so, so that's another one of those semantic things. If I just said, Oh, they were just practicing. It make dumbs it down and makes it seem something like, but I don't think they probably exactly. were. They were, I, they I, were I, dancing around a, a campfire in that cave and that's going to create shadows of themselves, and the shadows are going to dance around those animals. It's going to be an amazing experience. Yeah, that's not practice. Yeah. That's more than some. Yeah. That's more than I, just practice. I feel, I feel that there is a well. I, I feel that there is a there's an aspect to well. I feel that practice is a part of ritual, and, and obviously, I mean, obviously, you, you can't. The idea of a ritual is that you keep doing it. The idea of practice is that you keep doing it. And sure. And um, and so, so there's obviously an element of of, uh, of both things, and then the idea of practice is, is, as you say, kind of like a kind of a semantic way of dumbing down the idea of the ritual. Which I think, I think again, you know, I'd say that I'd, I'd say that uh, our our need to to reject religion. For the purpose of accepting all people and all that stuff, like my feeling is that why not? Why not just accept all religions? Why? Why do you have to reject all religions in order to, in order to accept all people? Why can't you just accept all people and their religions yeah. and let? It... Well, you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you you can. I know. And, it, and... I know what you mean, and I think that's but it, but it's, it, but it's so sad that... that we are that tainted. By members of the magic so world, much it happens so much that uh, I mean it's I mean I, I would say that I mean it's it really is deeper than magicians and magic. It's really I about know, I know it is. It's about people and about how we how we accept other people and how we and how we accept uh, you know what's going on in the world. I feel that uh, I I feel like in many ways 
it's all related. You know, everything that we're talking about like, can be blown up into a much more global scale uh, problem in the fact that we've lost a certain understanding of how we empower ourselves by virtue of the fact that we are convinced that we spend our lives fooling ourselves. <laughs> and I feel that uh, I, I feel like that's problematic just as a perception issue for for all people that exist on this planet who are tuned into anything that might uh, that, that that might uh, reflect that thought. And yeah. Uh, so the, and, yeah. Yeah, go on. The the second image um, that I had the thought on was the man the shaman producing a bat out of his mouth. It's a great image. And <laughs> and what came to mind for me is is the importance of context. And so if you see, uh, a, let's say, a nature documentary on the National Geographic channel about shamans and they have a grainy, you know, uh, HD video, nighttime video of a guy doing this and they put cheesy music to it or whatever it is that they do to put it in there and then you do get that sense of like oh look he's he's deceiving them or he's doing this fake thing or you could be made depending on that medium to look really stupid and make you wonder oh why would these people even be part of that but then if you think about actually being there if you were sitting there in that group you know around a campfire or whatever the context is and you're experiencing whatever the ritual is and that happens during the ritual it's so much more powerful than if he's just talking or staring at the moon or whatever it is that's going on and then you could you could represent the same image but in painting if you were to paint a picture of a man producing a bat out of his mouth no one would question the painting no one would put that like oh well that's fake thing on it it's a representative of the same representation of the same symbol but exactly the context you put it in can make it stupid or meaningful or labeled as art or whatever it's just where how you see it and where you experience it and i think one of the problems in in the mystery performance world is that it's often presented in the wrong context and so people go to a show expecting a guy to fool them with tricks and they have in their minds some of them oh he's not going to fool me and then they see you it's going to take them a minute to sort of readapt what they expect to you know take in what it is you're giving right because you're not trying to fool them or deceive them or show them tricks Exactly. I mean, and, and it's funny because that's, yeah, uh, that is that is the reason why I can't, uh, you know, I, why I feel that it's hard for me to work with other magicians or to right. accept uh, going on to a show like Fool Us or something. Well, it also makes sense to me that, that working alongside a guy who's doing escapes isn't as much of a problem because he really is getting tied up and escaping. Like... <laughs> yes, you know something. I do like that about I do like that about Spencer and about working at Illusions and the fact that they, even though it is called Illusions and even though there are old pictures of magicians and stuff like that, the person who represents that place more than anybody is an escape artist, and the person that he's chosen to essentially come come in as his uh, 
second player in is uh, is somebody who does what I do, which is and and both escape artistry and and uh, you know mind reading and mentalism and stuff like that has are are two forms of the mystery arts that uh, flank magic, but are different from magic in the sense that it's demonstrations are it's communicating are through an ability it's, it's it's communicating through an ability there the the experience is something that people feel are happening in real time and and are not contrived like a magician's act would be and so uh so although if you think about it or if a magician was to think about it they could make that happen with any magic any magic has right. the potential to the potential to be a, a presentation of of a version of reality instead of hey 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 give me your hand no the clean one or you know whatever right it and, you know and that's why i that's why i say what i say about the uh, about um you know about the shaman and how the shaman might be using this idea that 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 what what they're doing is is essentially a ritual that is a reminder for greater things to happen because i mean there's a in my opinion you know again we ask ourselves you know what why do we do what we do what is the purpose of us doing what we're doing is it to i mean is, is it is it to blow their minds is it to fool them is it to uh is it to give them hope? Is it to give them inspiration? Is it to make them feel like uh, you know the world is a is a, is a much larger place than we might imagine? You know, I mean, there's different ways of the different ideas of what we can leave our audience with, and and I would say that maybe, in my opinion, the the best uh, thing to leave our audience with is the idea that. They can be observant of these strange manifestations. If they can be observant of these strange manifestations right now, and they can and, and they, they 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 can be taught to to understand that you know sometimes things if you just if you just let yourself be open to them, you know, experience those things for what they are. You know, I mean, you know, if if you you won't necessarily read someone's mind if you don't think you can read someone's mind. Sure. But uh, but if you but if you believe that there's something inside of you that might be able to uh, solve a riddle or, or 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 be able to open up some understanding that's beyond what you would ordinarily do through your through your ordinary five senses, if you can actually, you can actually read someone's mind or predict some kind of an outcome, or, or even, or even hope that something is going to happen, and 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 and, and create an intention that's so strong that 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 thing manifests. You know, I mean, is it, if 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 we can do that, it is exploring ourselves as the energetic beings that we are. It is not. Um, in, in my opinion, it's 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 not false. It's not deceptive of ourselves to, to to act on the universe in this way. I feel that we are we are living 
bodies of energy that impose ourselves on the universe through our voice, through our thoughts, through our spirituality, through our movements, through the way that we engage in reality as we walk through life. And, um, and, and, and I feel that, uh, and, and, and I feel that with every single thing that we do, it affects reality around us. And of course, we're having to deal with other people doing that at the same time. And so that's part of the rub is that, you know, we're rubbing against other people's realities all the time, but we're imposing our own reality upon the reality that, that we're sharing with everybody else. And, and so, and so, um, and, and so again, it's just a matter of how well can we use our intention? How well can we use our ability to, to, to use our energetic bodies? How, how, how much can we possibly know about how we think and how we can make things happen for ourselves and, and for the people around us? And, and, uh, and, and, and can our intentions be so good or so positive or so magnified that, that we are able to, you know, go beyond and uh, above and beyond what we're able to do, like people like Michelangelo or people like Johann Sebastian Bach and people who can, who can literally uh, magnify their own greatness to the point where, where they're noticed by everybody else. And, uh, and, 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 you know, that, that is an interesting idea. It's an interesting, you know, as an artist, I'm interested in whether or not that's possible. As an artist, I'm interested in in knowing whether or not uh, knowing whether or not any of that is relevant to what's going on in the world around us, and whether or not any of that might be relevant to how we might solve greater problems in the world around us. And 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 to me, that is the that is that is the uh, way of a shaman to be able to realize that. We have, we each have that responsibility within ourselves to, to use our energy, to use our actions, and to use our abilities, and and impose that on the reality around us in such a way that we can magnify that and make ourselves noticed and make our ideas become real. Because it's a, because it's 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 that game that that that's the uh, that's the game that we're playing is 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 how how much can we how much can we do? You know, our bodies, you know, all have roughly the same amount of energy, but can we use our conscious ability to magnify the energy within ourselves and make ourselves bigger? Can we use that? I mean, we can use our conscious ability to relax ourselves and to make us calm and to meditate and to, and to de-stress but is there a way to make ourselves bigger? Is there a way to make ourselves more focused? Is there a way to make ourselves have? Is there a way to make ourselves have more energy? To you know, can we actually increase the amount of energy that we have in ourselves to 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 make these great things happen? What does it take? You know, does it take uh, us having to become ill to make that happen? Does it? I mean, is it is, is there is there a problem in that balance? You know, and and or is is there a way to be able to do that and and be fully healthy and functional the entire time? And uh, and and I think all of us have that struggle. All of us are constantly thinking about how we can balance ourselves in our lives to make the best of it. And and again, you know, my feeling is uh, is as much as I'd like to 
spend time playing a video game or watching a movie or something like that. I'd, I'd be, I'm much more interested in how I might be able to, to give myself and others around me an answer that is that 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 might change the entire world. So I'm not going to be spending as much time on video games and stuff like that as other people. I'm going to be spending time on you know working on, working on these on these issues that I think are, that I think are uh, are potential. I think that, that I think that these are these are raw ideas that need crystallization and uh, and and current. There's a lot of there's a lot of thought that's being put into it. There's a lot of interest in science about these things, and there's a, and uh, and and I'm interested in pushing that envelope. I'm interested in exploring those thoughts. I'm interested in giving people my two cents as to what that actually means, um, because I feel that my perception, based on myself as an artist and based on myself as a performer. Uh, is is relevant because I'm constantly in that life. I'm constantly living that life. I'm 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 there with everybody else, experiencing what they experience when they see me, and uh, <clears throat> and I'm there to hear their stories, and I'm there to you know tell people the stories that I've got to tell, um, and and basically that is what my book is about. It's really about my own personal stories. It's about the stories that I've learned along the way. It's about my own personal research of things that uh, could be as as uh, recent as transcendental meditation or the law of attraction and far away as Fuxi and the I Ching and yin and yang and ancient Eastern philosophy. So I feel that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of exploration that goes on in my book from spirits and ghosts to, you know, simple mentalism effects to uh, laws of hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming to, you know, uh, explorations, of, of explorations of ESP cards used as divination oracles. So, I mean, there's a, yeah, there is a lot of stuff in there, and I feel that, uh, I feel like I've made a lot of connections. I feel like, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, I feel like I read, I wrote the book in order for, for, for people to realize how many different connections can be made by just these things by themselves. And, uh, and I feel that I've inspired myself from having written this book to continue to make connections like that and to continue to uh, um, explore different ideas and different stories. And, and, uh, and, and it's funny because as I, as I walk through life, now that I'm finished with the book, I'm meeting people and hearing stories that are just as amazing as the ones that I've that I've talked about in the book. So I feel like I've got all this extra material now that I can start writing about for That's my great. next book. It's always good to end a project with the inspiration and path for a new project. I yeah, think, I think, I think uh, in in your you have answered the previous question of what do you want people to get out of your show, and uh, in very clear yeah I, I in many ways in many ways i would love to be able to embody to eventually though i don't know if my show does this currently that's okay i would love I, I i would love to embody the idea that that you know i would like to start with the idea that you know if you want to make a miracle for yourself first you got to recognize what that miracle should be then think to yourself right now what do you want that miracle to be what what do you want to manifest in your life that's the most important thing to you right now and let them think about that for a moment and then and then just do my show and 
let let it wash over them and let them think about my show and what I have to offer them and the miracle that they want. And 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 what I'd like to do is leave them by the end of my show with the idea that if they've experienced something that they that they, you know, don't understand or that they find is inexplicable, then let that be a stepping stone. Let that be let that be a, a, a stepping stone to their own miracle manifesting in their own life. You know, I mean, I think that that's, and that's in many ways, I feel like what the, what the ancient shaman always did with what they do in terms of giving people a performance of this nature. And, and, and though my show is nothing like a shaman's performance whatsoever, it, uh, it is a show in which I feel can do the same thing. I feel that, you know, they, people are inspired at the end of my show to be able to, to, to make further steps to, uh, to, to experience life in, in reality in a different way. And, and so I feel that uh, I, I feel that it won't take much for me once I once I've done all my tweaking and everything to be able to give people that experience of, of, of saying you know let's 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 do something about your lives that, uh, that that's meaningful and, and and we'll have fun while we're at it and um, and let people and, and, and give people that uh, give people that hope that uh, or that awareness that uh, that it just takes one little, piece of understanding to take that idea that they think has to be miraculous and make it real. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's so many times in my life that I've, that I've said to myself, it's going to take a fucking miracle to make this work. And, and I would say it almost in disbelief, but my strength of intention and my and and just my persistence at just trying to just doggedly cause something to manifest is strong enough that uh, that sometimes I'm amazed at the randomness, especially that 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 it takes. Like all all of a sudden I'll go, hmm, what if I take this direction? And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this entire world opens up and the miracle can now work, you know. And all of a sudden everything falls into place, and you're just like. My goodness, I, had I not taken that direction, none of that would have actually happened. Right. And therefore, Those are the best moments. yeah. Therefore, what I did was was literally created my own miracle to take place. You and know, they, and they and, reinforce and, that you should keep on believing and keep on <laughs> trusting, because you will it'll keep happening to you. Yeah, and, 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 and being aware. I mean, I think that awareness yeah, is a aware. very important thing. I mean, so long as if you if you if you feel like if you feel like you're in a fog and you are unaware of the things that are going around you and you and it's just and it gets too cloudy for you, it's hard for you to make the right choice. Sure. And so I feel that so long as you're aware and you can see yeah, the choices coming up with clarity. There are lots of variables, start, but yeah, you can start to kind of choose the right thing, and all of a sudden, these unbelievable manifestations can occur. And and I'm I'm, you know, I mean, it's almost rational. And at the same time, there's an aspect of it that feels very timely and irrational and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and random. Um, and yet, uh, and, and, and that's what I love about, that's what I love about this type of exploration is that, is, is that there's, it's not all about following 
logic. Sometimes it's about following your instincts, which are very illogical and very irrational, and yet, and yet sometimes all of a sudden it's like there you are, and you've discovered this thing, and it's and, and it's been discovered in a much more faster and and uh, efficient manner than you could have ever thought of, just because you chose to move in this one direction that allowed you to cut through several steps. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I, well, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on this podcast and everything, and uh, and I look forward. to Thanks for uh, being on it. I'm really glad we did it. It's 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 uh, every time I do one, I'm I'm reinvigorated on the project of just keeping them going because they've all been great and and for me even on a personal level they've been great on growing um with the the focus that i have on on exploring mystery and exploring the other side of magic it's great now who else have you interviewed uh only johnny fox do you know johnny fox i know him well and uh a british mentalist who uh goes by art vanderlei for um because he has he has an identity for shows but he does more of like a elemental manipulation type show um but we he wanted to use the art vanderlei uh pseudonym for the interview because that's <laughs> isn't that a jerry seinfeld it is it's it's a it's george a, costanza's pseudonym george costanza's yeah george costanza's uh exactly right. and uh he he he's a big he's big into cryptozoology so that one has a lot to do we talk a lot about uh bigfoot and that kind of stuff oh man i could have told you my bigfoot story we'll have to have you on again <laughs> that's what's gonna happen <laughs> Did I tell you? Did I tell you that I that I met a bigfoot, uh, a bigfoot uh, hunter? <laughs> no, but we'll have to leave that for later because I gotta go.